Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, as always. Fine, crisp day here in Seattle. A great day to take your dog for a walk, even go somewhere new, new sights, new smells. Uh, and, of course, you can let your dog sniff around, too. Let them get some stimulation that way. I talk a lot with clients. It's probably one of the most common things that comes up in my private lessons with people both on the phone from other parts of the country and even other parts of the world and in person as well, is the need for dogs to have a constructive outlet for their mental energy. When we think of exercise, we tend to think of physical exercise only, and dogs are sort of left unemployed, so to speak. So, um, through their sense of smell is a great way to give them some stimulation, you know, and a lot of times we kind of are like frustrated or come on, like we're, you know, got to get to where we're going. You know, we've got to get on our walk. We've got to cover ground. So you get your exercise. Let's go. You know, my dog's sitting here for five minutes at the same spot, just sniffing and sniffing and sniffing and sniffing. You're like, come on. But there is a lot that is going on for them that we don't get as humans because their sense of smell is so incredibly powerful. And I've done a number of shows over the years that are some of my favorites because I'm so fascinated by a dog's sense of smell. I've talked with Alexandra Horowitz, who's a canine scientist who um, has focused a lot in her research on dog sense of smell specifically and she's authored uh, a couple books being a dog and inside of a dog and she's one of my favorite uh, favorite interviews over the years i've talked with miriam rose about nose work she's a professional scent detection trainer and handler and nose work instructor and i recommend pretty much everybody to take nose work classes uh, which is basically scent detection training for fun like recreational scent detection training versus the dogs that are actually, uh, you know, working at the airport or working, um, you know, sniffing for bombs or something like that. So super fun. I say it over and over again because it is so important. If it was one of those things that I wish everybody could know and do with their dog wherever they were, it would be that engaging the dog's brain and just appreciating that dogs and people have been living together for 40,000 years and the nature of our relationship has really been working together. Um, and, you know, last week's show was a, my 10, top 10 uh, reasons why we can be grateful to dogs for really significantly contributing to our human existence, um, you know, past, present, and moving forward. And a lot of those ways have really been the ways that they've worked with us over the years farm dogs, um, sled dogs, military and police dogs, even therapy dogs. Um, anyone who does therapy work with their dog, and that's, um, you know, taking your dog to a nursing home or taking your dog to um, a hospital to visit with people. Um, so you and your dog travel out to visit with people who 
are vulnerable or compromised or maybe need emotional support, those dogs know that they're working. So that's also, you know, to be valued as work for sure. Hospice therapy dogs, all that kind of stuff. So it was really clear in a lot of the ways that we're grateful to dogs is in the ways that they've worked for us and with us over the years. And, you know, now there's a lot of dogs in cities, especially, I think, but not exclusive to cities who are, if they're lucky, considered to be members of the family, but aren't, um, you know, really having to do anything, figure anything out or anything like that. So just a little shout out to those guys. Last week's show is super enjoyable. We've had over 450 episodes now. They're all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com. They are uh, available as a free podcast on iTunes. And we also post all of them to our Facebook page, which is The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So if you're not a a fan of us on Facebook, uh, be sure to find us there too. You can become a part of the conversation in between our live shows once a week. Uh, There was something real quick that I wanted to mention. There was another story around, and it generated some comments on our Facebook page and some varying, you know, varying opinions on it. And uh, I just kind of wanted to bring it up because it's something that comes up. um, I don't know, for me, every time I hear about it is this new uh, way that people can find pet sitters and dog walkers for their dog through various, um, like, apps. So it kind of feels like, you know, oh, I need a ride, and I'm going to go on an app and, like, you know, get an Uber or a Lyft or whatever and, um, you know, do it that way. And, and it has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, it's too easy. Uh, you know, who are these people, you know, coming coming into the person's home, walking their dog. Uh, And there's a lot of people who have had success with these types of things. And there's also, of course, the horror stories. Uh, And there was one on local news recently about that. Uh, The person didn't follow directions. And um, so I'm curious to know, uh, and if you have any ideas about this or if you've had experience with this, ways that people can use these types of services because they do exist and I can't change that. So I'm wondering, are there ways if you've used one of these apps like WAG or Rover or or these other ones that are around, have you found ways to sort of like successfully vet these people so that um, you've been able to to have success finding quality people rather than... um, you know, having a horror story or if you did have, if you have had a bad experience, you know, how did, what do you, what do you see that you could have done differently to prevent that maybe or something like that? Because this is something I just feel like, oh, you know, caring for the pets is important. If you're out of town, especially, or having somebody come into your home and walk your dog, it's important. You know, they could make a mistake and the dog could end up getting really badly injured or worse, um, killed, which was unfortunately the story that I read about recently. So you can email me julie at sensitivedog.com or you can go to our website dogradioshow.com and fill out the contact page and uh, get in touch with me there if you have any ideas or stories you'd like to share. 
So speaking of stories or listeners contacting, I love to hear from you guys. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you have a question or if you have an idea for a show topic. Uh, You know, I obviously can't have everybody on the show, but I've gotten some great ideas before. And, you know, I've talked with listeners and I have um, Verena from Europe, I think the UK, but Eric thinks maybe Germany. So we'll clarify that once we get her on. uh, I think she's with us via Skype now. Verena, can you hear me? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Now, where are you exactly? Um, I live in London in the UK, but I'm from Germany, so you are both kind of right. Uh, got it. Okay, excellent. Well, um, we're going to be kind of in-laws, sort of, with this new newly announced engagement of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Yes, very big thing in the UK. Um, I mean, I, I didn't grow up here, so I don't... I'm not that crazy about it, but yeah. oh my God, it's everywhere, all over the news at the moment. <laughs> yeah. What's the war? Are people excited? You know, how's the feel for it? Yeah, everyone is super excited, really happy. Everyone loves the royals here, so yeah. definitely. <laughs> cool. How long have you lived in the UK? Um, Three years now. Okay. And so you listen to the show and you're newer, uh, newer to us, is that right? Yeah, I started listening to the show a few weeks ago, actually. Um, and I, yeah, I keep downloading all the shows and listen to them mostly on the way to work and from work because London is, uh, yeah, it, it always takes an hour to get anywhere, uh-huh. to get to work, to get home from work. So it's perfect for on the tube. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Love listening to the show. Ah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, and so you did reach out. It didn't take you long either, a couple weeks, um, about your dog, Woody. Yes. And he is a Patterdale Terrier. Yes. And you had some questions about some concerning behavior, some uh, aggressive behavior that you've seen in a few different instances towards other dogs. Yes. Um, so... Woody isn't necessarily, he, he, he isn't usually an aggressive dog at all. He's, um, he's a typical terrier. He's independent and he, he's very clever. And we've done a lot of training with him and he, he listens really well. Um, we also have a fairly good recall with him now. Um, but unfortunately, in two instances, he has bitten another dog. Mm-hmm. So the first time that happened... Um, we were really not prepared at all because he has never shown any signs of aggression. And we took him to our friend's place. They just had a new puppy. And at that time, we haven't done a lot of uh, reading or research in all honesty because he was absolutely not a problem dog at all. And um, yeah, so we just took him to our friends and probably didn't introduce them well enough before the two dogs but they were playing nicely for a while and then suddenly um Woody had the other dog's uh, bone and we were actually just about to go to the pub so we just asked him to leave it and he knows the leave command so he dropped it instantly and all of a sudden got hold of the other dog's ear and <laughs> We were all a bit in shock and didn't really know what's happening, but it took, I don't know, maybe maybe 20 to 30 seconds to get him off of the other dog's ear. Mm-hmm. And um, 
well, that's when we started to consult a behaviorist and that's when we started to do a lot of reading. And that's actually also when I started to <laughs> listen to your show. Um, and we, we've, we've then started to um, establish some boundaries with him in the household. And we've done, we, we didn't take him off lead at all in the beginning. We did, did a lot of long lead training and we made a lot of progress with him. I also started to do like teach him some tricks just to keep his brain occupied. I started some nose work since you've <laughs> recommended it a lot of times. Um, and we've, we've made really, really good progress with him. We've had him off lead um, lots of times since then. He's met many, many dogs, absolutely fine. And um, we thought we were able to read him a lot better. So if he's excited, we could tell. If he's stressed, we could tell. Um, and then one one day a few weeks ago or a few weekends ago, we were at the beach and there was a lot of dogs out there and he was off lead and he was being absolutely amazing. Whenever we called him, he came back. He did say hi to other dogs, but if we called him, if we told him to not go to them, so we called him before he went there, he would come. Um, so absolutely perfect. We were like really, really so happy with all the tra trainings finally paying off. Um, and then just before we were going to put him back on the lead on that beach, um, there was a small Jack Russell and he sort of Woody walked, walked past him, but the Jack Russell snarled at him or growled at him. So Woody stopped and tensed and the, the other dog, the Jack Russell snarled at him again and sort of snapped at him. And that's when Woody went for him. So he, this time he got hold of his um, scruff and it again took, 30 seconds, maybe one minute to, to get him off the other dog. Um, luckily, in both instances, the other dog wasn't seriously hurt. There was no blood drawn. But obviously, we're really worried and we don't really know what to do now because he, he has made this amazing progress. But at the same time, we can't really trust him or fleet with other dogs at the moment, especially small dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in that second situation, you said your boyfriend got bit in the finger a couple times? Yeah, so what happened is um, we, we were really close to him, actually. So my boyfriend um, got there and tried to open his mouth uh, with his fingers. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, we probably didn't deal with the situation very well because what we read uh, <laughs> is that you have to stay calm and it's so difficult in the situation to actually do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so there were people shouting at him, yeah. um, and yeah, my boyfriend tried to try to open his mouth, and so it it wasn't that Woody like bit him, but by trying to open his mouth, he he got injured injuries to his fingers. Okay. Okay. So I've just I've got a lot of questions for you, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll at least leave you with some. Uh, clarity or more clarity and some, you know, ideas moving forward. Now, Woody is uh, about one year old, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's just over a year now. Okay. So you've had him and you've ha you got him when he was seven months old? Yes. Okay. And he uh, lived with um, a family, two adults, four kids. His mom 
so the dog who gave yeah. birth to him and another mm-hmm. female lab. And you said that that the mom didn't accept the puppies very well. Yeah, so um, the family he he stayed with, um, they originally wanted to keep him, which is why they had him for seven months. They they um, sold the other puppies after our, I think four to six weeks. Um, but the mum, the the dog mum, had a very difficult pregnancy apparently, and she needed surgery afterwards, and she was really unwell, and. We've just been told that she didn't get on with with him very like very well. She would snap at him. Um, yeah. Okay. Apparently, the lab, the female lab, looked after the puppies a lot better than than the actual mom. <laughs> okay. Um, and do you? So, did you meet the mom at all? Yes, we've we've met her. Okay. And do you have a sense aside from the hard pregnancy? Um, you know, and, and her having to go through that, is she is she sort of, you know, edgy with other dogs otherwise, do you know? Um, so we, we speak to the owner a lot still because um because of the incident that happened mm-hmm. and because we wanna know why. Mm-hmm. Um and she said that the the mum is fine with other dogs. She is she's also running up to other dogs to say hi and in that sense Woody is often too much he's he's in your face he's yeah. always um which is part of his problem um because obviously not all dogs like that um but um the mom is friendly they never had any any incident any bites any problems like that okay so she's not like uh ha- she doesn't have a history of dog aggression um but she she didn't want much to do with her puppies yeah exactly did her puppies nurse was she able um, to nurse them or it sounds like she had surgery so maybe she... i think she was i i'm not a hundred percent sure on that but i think she was able to nurse because i think i seem to remember they said uh, the, the owner said that that's all she did and then she was wanted to be left alone okay okay and then have you been in touch at all with any of the other people that have the other litter mates? Um, no, only with the mom. Okay. And then do you know what the litter, how many puppies there were, were they male or female? Um, again, I'm not 100% sure, but I did. So when, when the first bite happened, we did have a very long conversation. And um, the, the previous owner told me that none of the other litter mates, there was no such incident. Okay. Um do you know if there, there were any other any... were there any, were there any other males born? Um, not sure. I know of one sister, but I'm not sure if there's okay. any other males. Okay. Um. So Woody is now um just over a year. Is he um intact? Has he been neutered? Yes, he's been neutered. Okay. And and how old was he when he was neutered? He was neutered just before we got him. Okay. Um, so six months, six and a half months. Okay. Okay. Let's see. And there was a, so there have been two incidents where he's sort of latched onto other dogs. The first time was when, uh, you had gotten to a friend's house, just let him in. They played for about 15 minutes. He was, uh, then chewing on the other dog's play bone, um, like a toy kind of thing, I'm assuming. Or was yeah. it? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and then you guys were like, okay, we're going to head out. 
told Woody to drop the bone, which he did, but then the other dog was right there, and he just immediately went and latched onto her ear. Yes. Okay. And then um, was hard to get him off, and and but you were able to do so. There wasn't blood. And then did the dogs continue to interact after that? What did you do? Did you did you were you taking the dogs to the pub with with you? Yeah. So we put them on a lead, um, and we we sort of um, walked. We walked both of them, but not like. Yeah, they 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 were after that they were really calm both of them. Yeah. So we took them both to the pub on lead, and um, in the pub we had Woody sort of on one side and the other dog on the other side. So they weren't like touching the whole time, but they were. Yeah, they they did both come to the pub. Okay, and they were fine. There was no incident after that. They... Yeah, they were absolutely fine. It was it was almost like it didn't happen. When the other dog was a little bit timid at first, but yeah only took five to 10 minutes and then it was fine again. And Woody was very submissive after that. Okay. After that bite. Woody was submissive afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, was this a little dog? The other dog? Um, yes. Okay. Another it was, was a terrier. Yeah. Um, no cockapoo puppy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, there's that now. Have you had a dog before? Um, I did grow up with a dog, but this is the first time that we both of us as as grown ups <laughs> yep. own a dog. Okay, and um, it was the kind of dog that you had growing up a terrier also. No. Okay. He was a mix. Okay. Um. So I know that you've done you've done a lot of of really good stuff already. So I'll first say that, you know, you're, you're doing the lots of training with him, um, giving him and you a lot of tools to work with him, a lot of communication to give him a positive direction away, you know, calling him away from, um, other dogs working on, um, his thought process, his ability to think and focus and listen, even in exciting environments nose work you're you are aware of the need for a you know outlet for his mental energy which i was just talking about again at the beginning of this show if you listen to the show you know i say it all the time because it's so important yeah. <laughs> um yeah so you're doing all, all that is really really good and you definitely want to keep keep that up um it sounds like his you know, there's something. Have you heard of arousal aggression? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, so that's something that you might research, uh, and it's basically aggression that happens when a dog gets excited. So it's mm -hmm. just a almost like a byproduct of excitement, where it's and it's common in dogs, especially dogs like terriers, where they, um, you know, if you think about what a terrier was bred to do. And how they're sort of like wired, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. That if if the if the dog is supposed to, you know, go down into the hole and kill whatever the small animal is in the hole, right? A rat or a weasel or whatever it is, then mm -hmm. they sort of flip a switch and they, you know, it's like okay, you know, a hundred percent, 
I've it's either you or me basically. So they just sort of like go, you know, they like uh, see red, so to speak, you know, and they just have to kill the animal. They're hunting dogs. So this is a different a different type of job description compared to say a border collie who was bred to herd, you know, sheep or whatever other type of of animal, herd animal, livestock animal. And when that dog is working and in their drive, fully connected and plugged into their strongest instincts, they're also listening to a human. So there's a there's a um a shepherd uh, you know, whistling or calling cues to, you know, go by and, you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know, so so the dog is is really wired to like work with us and herd sheep and do, you know, not kill the sheep. <laughs> and then yeah. and then you've got, oh, you know, all these other dog breeds, hounds and and, um, you know, sporting breeds and sled dogs and all these other types of of dogs that are all uh, bred for sp- different tasks. So understanding that uh, this type of behavior from a terrier makes more sense to me than if if this was coming from a different type of dog that wasn't um, vulnerable to arousal aggression. Mm-hmm. So he is one, just over one. So he's he's technically adolescent. And at dogs, when they're adolescent, can be very commonly more reactive. Uh, They Mm -hmm. can be spooked by things. And it doesn't sound like that's what's happening with him. But it's, you know, really common types of things can be uh, things that aren't a big deal, like a, a shopping bag on the ground that wasn't there before or some, you know, a, a garbage bin outside or something, you know, you're like, what are you barking at? You know, but the dog's like, whoa, what is that? That's freaking me out. That's a pretty mm-hmm. common symptom of adolescence. But dogs can be sort of more reactive in adolescence as well. So one possibility is that as you continue to give Woody lots of structure, work, um, uh, nurture his thought process through training, um, and continue to do all of that. As he matures, he might even out in mm-hmm. in his behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, the the complicating factor to this is that, you know, generally speaking, drive in dogs. So when I say drive. I mean, like, kind of the dog's instinct. So a herding dog, like, if it's a high-drive dog, it's a dog, if we're talking about a herding breed, that has a really strong instinct to herd. Uh, if it's a if it's a, a high-drive terrier, it's a dog that's, got, that's very um, driven to do their job, and, and that can look in a number of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. So the other thing that kind of, complicates this as far as age goes is um, when dogs hit adulthood which is roughly around the age of two um, their drive can sort of intensify as well so it's really hard to say you know time will tell 
whether mm. whether he evens out as he gets older or you know whether the aggression you know maybe intensifies although usually what i see when it intensifies is that it's not oftentimes not there when the dog is younger and so this mm-hmm. is really common with dogs that have uh uh, terrier, especially like bull, bull, bull breed terrier mixes, pit bulls, Boston terriers, French bulldogs, uh, those kinds of dogs that, um, you know, especially pit bulls, probably certainly the highest population, at least in the U.S., of these types of, of bull terrier type breeds is they think, okay, I know these dogs kind of have a, you know, reputation for being difficult with other dogs, so I'm going to socialize them and socialize them and socialize them so that we don't have this problem. And the dog is great. And then right around two years of age, something happens, that drive clicks in, and then the people start to see this aggressive behavior just as a function of age. Or sometimes it can be set off also. So anyway, um, mm. so really looking at this dog's age is, is important. He's young. Um, and for me, just intuitively, I, now I've only seen videos of him just doing tricks with you. <laughs> um <laughs> But I've worked with thousands of dogs over the last 15 years, so I can get a pretty good feel and at least give you general information. Um, I'm it's I feel like it's possible that he will even out. Mm-hmm. So, like I, I just kind of have that. Uh, I guess I'm optimistic for him, <laughs> and yeah. I'm basing that off of only a gut feeling. Um, you know, and just what and just experience. So I want you to like. Don't worry too much. I mean, obviously, you want to take this seriously, which you are, but, you know, he's only one. So be like, okay, what can we do differently maybe to set him up for success better so that when we do land at adulthood, he's not doing this anymore. The other Mm. thing, the other thing is that he's had so much exposure to other dogs and you've had two incidents. So, you know, he's had a lot of successes as well. And you've only had him for what, six months? Not mm. even. So, um, knowing that he's got. Okay, so let's see. Continuing to um, promote his thought process through training, um, mm-hmm. you might do some do some research and and you know, uh, get some more information about arousal aggression. Mm-hmm. And so basically, in the first situation, he had a bone, and in the second situation. He was, you had been at the beach. Now, you had been at the beach for how long? 45 minutes or so. Okay. So he's, he's been off lead for, for about 45 minutes before that happened. Okay. So you had been at the beach and he had the, he, the, this dog kind of, you know, lifted his lip at Woody and then Woody stopped and was like, what did you say to me? You know, basically, and then the dog was like, you heard me. And then he kind of, you know, snapped and went went on. So one thing that we know is that he's, when he gets um, triggered, he goes kind of from like zero to 60. Uh, so an ex- like um, he goes, he goes like over the top. Yeah. So it would have been fine if. If if he snapped back at that other dog and they worked it out a little bit and nobody ended up shaking anyone's scruff, you know? Yeah. So 
we do know that he has kind of a vulnerability to that. And so knowing that and that he's won, uh, how to move forward. So one of the things, first things, is quality for his interactions with other dogs. Um, qual- focusing on the quality, not not necessarily the quantity. So, and and I don't know enough. I don't have enough information. But let me know if this resonates for you. Um, sometimes people are so, um, let's see, enthusiastic about okay, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do everything that we can to try to, you know, fix this behavior, improve this behavior. And so like for him with other dogs, it's like, and again, let me know if, if this is true or not, because I don't have enough mm-hmm. information to know, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, so we're just gonna, you know, have him meet a, a t- other dogs all the time. Or take him out to a lot of places where he has an opportunity to meet a lot of other dogs so that he gets socialized. And, um, you know, and then he he met a dog who was, you know, not nice to him, but didn't do anything that warranted him latching on to him. Um, and that kind of set him off. And then I know in the other situation, the other dog didn't do anything to him. So I'm not saying that, like, there's anything that you did that caused it, but just that we don't want him to practice this behavior. I mean, obviously, but from like a behavioral perspective, yeah, we, we don't yeah. want him to continue to practice this behavior because I don't want these pathways in his nervous system to keep firing off. I don't want him to get uh, too excited like this because it's just not good for him to practice it, to ha- to keep having the experience. Yeah, so we don't generally meet that many dogs on walks. Um, it's it's we, we are near a very big park, which is not not so full of dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and when we we were thinking about going to another dog class or obedience class, and we put that on hold for now because we just didn't because he if if in a class setting with lots of other dogs, he does get overexcited, and we wanted to get that out of him first or maybe not out of him but we wanted to make sure he can he can settle around other dogs before we go put him back in into a situation like that so it's not he's not overexposed to other dogs um at the beach there were a lot of other dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> um so but that's not that, that's not usually an everyday scenario for him okay and so that could also explain why he had an incident there if it's not a situation that he's used to and it was just a lot of energy maybe that's mm. what contributed to his arousal aggression so we're thinking of this as a function of just being too excited and then it sort of uh flips a switch and just immediately like all of a sudden turns into aggression. So other ways that this mm. looks is like um, uh, dogs who are reactive to other dogs on leash, for example, that you're walking your dog on leash. They see a dog across the street. They start going nuts, barking, lunging, all this kind of stuff. And it can get so um, out of control that the dog even starts displacing, you know, starts trying to bite the owner's leg or if if you're walking with another dog they they turn and just attack the other dog that they're mm-hmm. with because of the dog across the street so they just they just get excited and lose their mind a little bit 
Mm-hmm. Um, so then that kind of makes sense, too, that if this was a situation where, you know, you sort of built him up to, OK, we've had some success for a while. Now we're going to take him to this off leash beach. Um, the weather's colder, so it's mostly just dog walkers with with their dogs. But there's still a fair amount of dogs there. And then you had been there for 45 minutes. So so it could also be that he his ability to cope was um, reached a limit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm just like, you know, been here for a while. I've been so stimulated. And so you get you get to a point where he's maybe a little fried and then just kind of, you know, lost it. Mm-hmm. So had that happened, you know, of course, we can't set this up or or know or go back in time. But had that same interaction happened, you know, after you had only been there for 10 minutes, would he have had the same thing? And that brings up another, uh, you know, it's the same behavior is that that brings up another question for me is that have you um, witnessed him accept being corrected by other dogs where a dog might you know, growl or snap at him appropriately as dogs do like, Hey, you know, back off or cut it out or whatever. And has he been able to accept that or will that, will that pretty much every time set him off? No, there has definitely been, there have definitely been moments where dogs, so the problem, the problem is only with little dogs, with big dogs. He he is very submissive anyway. Um, but there have definitely been moments where little dogs uh, barked at him or maybe snapped at him and and that's fine and he walked away again and no big deal. Mm-hmm. So so he has accepted correction from both large and small dogs. It's just that in the two instances, you've only seen it with little dogs, the aggression. Um, yes, and generally, if so, with with bigger dogs, he's very he's a lot more careful when he approaches them, and like he he runs then and stops ten meters before or fifteen meters before and waits and sort of goes really slowly. Whereas with smaller dogs, he he can be a bit boisterous or a bit yeah, like a bully. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that's hard to know. Is this coming from a place, uh, like, like bullying type thing where he's taking advantage or is it some sort of association like, a almost a trigger? Does that have to do with, um, you know, an association that he has from being, I'm just throwing this stuff out there, like being, mm-hmm. being snapped at a lot by his mom, you know, where, the, where that didn't, that doesn't make sense. And so did that create some sort of. Um, almost anxiety around smaller dogs versus large dogs because he lived with with his mom who wasn't really a fan of the puppies because she had such a hard time and surgery and all that and then lived with a female lab who more raised him so does he feel more comfortable around you know so it's kind of hard to say well exactly why is it more just smaller dogs Mm -hmm. is he being opportunistic or is that is that almost um a source of anxiety for him but um again if he's been able to at times accept correction from small dogs, that's good. So one, Mm. one thing um, that, you know, helps kind of balance this out is like, well, okay, what percentage of the time is he, 
is he going too far versus is he having other times where he's able to be, you know, sort of quote unquote normal, like, oh, okay, you know, sorry, if, if a dog corrects him, he's able to just back off and take it rather than just every single time he gets corrected, it just sets him off, you know, because that can be mm-hmm. the case too. So that's, that's a good thing that he, for the most part, is, is, is fine. And then there's just been these two times that have been really yeah. concerning to you. And so you're like, well, what do we do with this? Um, is he on flea medication, chemical flea medication? Um, he is on flea medication. I've actually um, read up about it since I heard uh, <laughs> you talking about it in the dog show. I'm not sure if we have different medications, but here it, uh, the only thing I, I read out for is um, you mentioned on your flea medications, it says uh, do not feed while you're pregnant or things like that. It yeah. doesn't say that on our medication, and um, I'm not sure if it's the same same medication or <laughs> if there's a difference. Okay. Yeah, that was just an example for one, uh, but okay. but generally, so does it say? And you don't if you don't know this now, it's okay. But I'm curious to say if it says like don't touch it, wash your hands, like avoid no, it, contact. No, it, it didn't say it, it. didn't say any of these things. So I because I did look out for that. Um, okay. Is, is it a pill that he takes or is it something that you put on him? Um, it's it's something, it's like a um, pill, but it's um, some, yeah, some almost like paste stuff that he likes eating, I guess. Okay. Well, I'd be curious to know, um, you know, you looking into what the chemicals are, the active chemicals in the flea medication. But the reason why I ask this is that at least in the U.S., uh, they're pesticides that are neurotoxins that, you know, basically cause hyperexcitation of nerve cells. And this is information that I've gotten directly from the research papers on the drugs, uh, the, mm-hmm. the studies that they did to show how it works. Um, so if... For any dog, dogs in general and cats, <laughs> um, but es- especially dogs, I see a lot of dogs who have who are reactive or you know mm-hmm. um, have challenges, and so especially for dogs that are maybe um, not balanced all the time, they definitely don't need something that's potentially aggravating a, a way that they're already compromised. So um, it's not to say that it's causing the problem, but it might not be helping the problem. So. Okay. Um, I, I assume you could probably get it there, but, um, you know, I recommend flea busters. It's just a white powder. It's a form of salt. It's totally non-toxic. If you have any carpeting, you just sprinkle it all over your carpeting, brush it in and then vacuum over it and it dehydrates your environment. So fleas can't live there. Um, so that would just be something to maybe not, you know, don't give him or look back and see. I mean, I just wouldn't recommend it anyway, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be curious to know um, the timing of his incidents. Had he just gotten a dose of medication um, or had you just started the medication when his first one happened or anything like that? But it's just something to have on your radar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely going to look that up. Um, and you could, uh, you know, email me after the fact, too, because we've obviously been in touch to set this up. Um you know, once you kind of figure out or, or tell me what the brand is and I can try to look it up too. Okay, perfect. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, we're going to take uh, just a, a quick breather here and we'll be back talking with Verena, who's in the UK. Um, oh, so you're in London? Yes, London. <laughs> OK, excellent. Um, we're talking about her dog, her terrier, Woody, who's had a couple of aggressive incidents with other dogs. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage on Vashon Island, we cover the world of animals. This week, December 3rd, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our Animal Friends Sunday. We'll check in with as many of our local rescues as I can fit in, as well as the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, to find out what's going on for the holiday season. Plus, my favorite, it's time to welcome back the Jingle Cats and Dogs. Woohoo! Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk. AM 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, Host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes. Host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're talking with a listener in London via Skype. Verena, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> so I love that you have been listening for a few weeks and you just like got in touch. So I love hearing from you guys if you have questions or ideas for shows or if you want a dog show car sticker, I can mail to you. Um, all that kind of stuff. Don't hesitate to get in touch. I love hearing from you guys. So uh, we're talking about your one-year-old um, male Patterdale Terrier uh, named Woody, who you've had him for about six months, and he's had two incidents that have been concerning uh, where he's been aggressive to other dogs. 
another dog. And he's in both situations, he's kind of latched on. And you've had a hard time, you know, getting him to let go. I'm just curious because you did you have taught him to to drop it or leave, I think is maybe what you say. Yeah. Did you try yes. in either of those situations when he was latched on to say that word? Yes, we did say leave. Okay. Um, but in all honesty, in both situations, uh, we were shouting and probably not making the situation better. Right. By, like we were just so yeah so in shock that um, yeah. we didn't say would he leave. We right, we right. shouted at him and yeah, right. that yeah. didn't help. <laughs> well, we're animals too, right? <laughs> It's hard to be real hard to just stay totally calm as your dog has just attacked another dog. Um, yeah, I think it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, so, uh, so I want to talk about the triggers. Um, so this is a, a really valuable piece in understanding this type of behavior. Um, and then are, you're working with trainers locally, correct? Yes. Okay, and and you saw a behaviorist and. Uh, you got really some really great information and you guys clearly have been putting a lot of work, um, in, you know, and done a lot of work with him um, and that you've had a lot of success with him. So that's something that I want to say about this type of thing is that, um, you know, I've worked with a lot of dogs over the years and, and, and I've seen, you know, some videos of him generally, but I always encourage people to work with somebody locally who, who you can actually meet in person. They can, meet your dog, work with you one-on-one -on -one in person when possible, especially with situations that are, you know, behavioral aggression, anxiety, those types of things, because every dog is different. Um, and that's one of the most important things to, to, to hold as we're talking about Woody, and I'm trying to give you, you know, helpful advice or guidance or, you know, insight or whatever is that he's he's an individual so I can make generalizations about the fact that he's only one he's adolescent he's a terrier um so arousal aggression from an adolescent terrier okay that's not the most you know unheard of thing um but every dog is different so just saying I really encourage people to find somebody near you to work with who's qualified um who who gives you good results and if you don't if you're not getting good results, then find someone else because results speak for themselves. I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but if it's not working. It's not working. So move on because there's no regulation for this industry, really. Um, so the triggers. So for moving forward, um, he's one. Let's get him to two without another incident. Right. So, OK, yes. <laughs> how to set him up for success, because he's had a lot of successful interactions with other dogs it just seems like if there's a particular trigger that is going to set him off, if if we can know that about him, then you can try to set him up so that he doesn't, he's not in that situation again. So, and you only have two, which is a good thing. You only have two situations where he's been aggressive as opposed to, you know, 20. Um but we also only have the information from those two situations as well. So the first one, there was a bone, a play bone, like a toy. And in the second one, he was off leash at, a, at like an off leash beach. And there were a lot of other dogs around and he had been there for 45 minutes. So in both situations, there was something exciting. Um, 
happening or or a stimulation in the environment that got him, you know, technically is called arousal aggression. So it got him sort of aroused or excited or feeling kind of intense on something. So he's sort of like he's feeling that. And then it, it puts him closer to that line of just kind of flipping a switch and then latching on. So yeah. and, and the triggers can vary. So you can have triggers of all sorts of kinds. So, you know, it's important if you have a dog that's reactive to identify exactly what it is or, or if there's a certain predictability to it so that you can manage that. Um, and then introducing those triggers in a constructive way. So um, if you have a dog who uh, has a hard time being around toys, around other dogs, you might... Um, you know, desensitize and you can work with, um, you know, the behaviorists that or trainers that are there with you, you know, in the London area about how to do that. Um, so sort of structuring it. So, okay, here's this thing. An example I commonly work with here is like people coming to the door, you know, people coming to the door, the dogs are uh, barking and um, charging the door or whatever, and maybe being aggressive or not to the visitors. And then, okay, so put some structure in place, teach the dog to go to a rug and, and train them to wait on the rug while you answer the door, putting structure in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so a way to kind of put structure in place and then, and then introduce the trigger, or if it's leash walking, teach the dog to heal at your side. And if the dog is, for example, reactive to other dogs on leash, then you, uh, work with them over time to get better at focusing on the job that you've given them to do as opposed to just being reactive and and giving into whatever the impulse is or the excitement. So really, really promoting the thought process. And so when I praised you for um, all the training that you're doing with him, keep that up because we really, really want to nurture and promote his ability to have a thought process. The stronger that is, usually, then the less reactive or it helps the dog be less reactive if you strengthen the thought process. So understanding yeah. the triggers. Um, mm-hmm. If you try him, um, you know, if you ever go to a, a, a beach like that where there's lots of dogs and he's around a lot of other dogs like that and it's exciting, don't stay there for as long. You know, mm. stay there for five or ten minutes and then leave, assuming that he's successful. Um because maybe he was just kind of burnt out after 45 minutes of all that excitement. And then that Jack Russell, you know, gave him some lip and he was like, oh, I can't even and just went after him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, toys and bones and stuff like that is a pretty common trigger for dogs. So just being really careful of that and really mindful of those triggers. Um, and again, you know, his age, he's only one. So so keep doing what you're doing. I think you're doing a lot of right things. One thing I did want to mention that you said is that you, when you were like, so we do, we're doing this, we're doing training, we're doing nose work, we're working with a behaviorist in London. We switched him to raw food. I love that. So I often recommend um, cleaning up the dog's diet because <clears throat> that, you know, if there's uh, what we eat impacts how we feel. And so if we're wanting to feel really grounded and centered, uh, you know, getting them off of processed food is a really good thing. Um, I'm always impressed by how fast time goes by on the show. And um, so we are at the end of the hour. And, um, you know, this was an opportunity to really get a lot of good information out to listeners about this type of behavior and to just kind of hash it out. Um, I hope that you're, 
at least maybe feeling better or have gleaned some sort of insight in into him. And uh, let's keep in touch and let me know how he continues to do. Okay. And send me that, that flea medication. I'm curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Thank you so much for, for your help and for your advice. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. And uh, thanks for listening as well. And we'll be back next week. Uh, you're listening to the dog show with Julie Forbes. been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.